This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by the Shelter Mountain Inn, nestled in the woods of the Pacific Northwest. The reception may be bad up here, but we have an extensive videotape collection that has everyone talking. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's another double feature week on Pod Cemetery. The late night double feature show. With 1998's Ringu and 2002's The Ring. But before we get to the movies, Kelsey, how do we start the show? Trivial Pursuit Horror Edition. Give me what you got. What weapon does Maddie obtain from the villainous man in 2016's Hush? Okay, I didn't get the movie until the very end. So, <laughs> well, oh, she obtains his crossbow. Yes. Yes. All right, Kelsey. The killer in Terror Train, 1980, avoids detection by donning what from each of his victims? Masks. Well, it says they're costumes, <laughs> but yes, because he gets in all their stuff. He wears the Groucho Marx one. Uh huh. He wears the Reptilius one. Uh huh. And then he's the magician's assistant. Yes. All right. Now, though he doesn't wear a mask, he does wear a costume, though. Yes. So, Kelsey, we're gonna do one more round of. Trivial Pursuit Horror Edition right now, because this episode's going to be a slightly different format than normal, uh, because we're doing a, an American film that's a remake of the original Japanese film, and we're going to be going through the entire plot. Normally, we do that for the original, which would be the Japanese version, but we wouldn't have any clips to play for you during the plot elements. And then when we got to the American one, we'd really just be talking about the differences, and those would be the only parts you'd be getting clips of. So to make this all a little bit easier, we're actually going to do both the movies at the same time. I say easier. It's going to be just as complicated in another way. <laughs> But we're going to be doing both the movies at the same time so we can do clips from the American version uh, as we go throughout. And we'll be discussing the differences between both as we go along. So we'll have a longer discussion than we would about one movie, but maybe a little bit shorter than a total episode normally would be. We're going to be cramming more content in that time, though. So since we're not going to have a break in between movies, let's do that second round right now. Okay. As part of a hazing ritual in 2016's Raw, protagonist Justine is forced to eat the raw kidney of what animal? A rabbit. Very good. I didn't remember that. Yeah. All right, Kelsey. You don't like this movie, so you might not have even bothered to find out what the answer to this is. <laughs> Who directed Creepshow 1982? It didn't have multiple directors? No. Now, we know it's written by Stephen King. Yes. But who directed it? Oh, I have no idea. Probably more famous for directing other horror movies. 
which includes zombies. Oh, George A. Romero? It's George A. Romero, yeah. Really? Uh-huh. Are we ever going to do Creep Show? Yes. <laughs> okay, it's on the list, dang it. All right, so now here it comes, 1998's Ringu and 2002's The Ring, the original Ringu, was written by Hiroshi Takahashi based on a 1991 novel by Koji Suzuki. Uh, Koji Suzuki also wrote the novel that both the Japanese and American versions of Dark Water were based on. Uh, he says actually he got his inspiration for Ringu from his favorite horror movie, which is Poltergeist. Hey! Yeah. And in translating it for the screen, Hiroshi Takahashi made a few changes to like the core uh, characters and such. So, for instance, the protagonist is a man in the book. Uh, it's a woman in both movies. Change their name. Uh, they're married in the book. They're divorced in the movies. Or they never got married in the American one. We assume that they never got married in the American one. And the child's gender changed as well. It was a daughter named Yoko, and now it's a son named Yoichi. It was directed by Hideo Nakata and stars Nanako Matsushima, Miki Nakatani, and Yuko Takeuchi, as well as Hiroyuki Sanada, who's not one of the highest listed actors on the IMDb page, but he's the guy from Sunshine and The Last Samurai, and he's probably the most famous actor in the movie here in America. That's the Japanese version, the American version from 2002, also based on the novel by Koji Suzuki, but the screenplay was written by Aaron Kruger and directed by Gore Verbinski, you know, the Pirates of the Caribbean guy. He also did Rango and A Cure for Wellness. Are we ever going to do A Cure for Wellness in this? It's not on the list, but I can add it. I seem to remember being okay with that movie, but that it totally devolves towards the end and it's some crazy ending. It was a little slow and long, but and I don't think either of us liked the ending, but we enjoyed the the bulk of the film. Yeah. And this one stars Naomi Watts, Martin Henderson, and Brian Cox. What are these movies about? There is a video going around that if you watch it, you get a phone call right after and it says seven days and then a week later they die. And a reporter is trying to figure out the secret. Yes. Now, the original Ringu is not available for streaming anywhere. I already own the DVD, so that's the version that we watched. It might be a little bit harder for anyone who doesn't already own it to watch it, but the American version is available to rent or buy pretty much anywhere. It's like $4 to rent it. It's $10 or $15 to buy it, depending on where you go. Should people watch either of these movies. It's weird because I'm so used to saying that the original is better. Yeah. I liked the original, but I guess it's because I saw the the ring first. Yeah. And I saw it like as a freshman in high school and it scared the crap out of me. So if I had to choose between the two, I would probably watch the ring. Yeah. I think if you have to choose between the two, you should watch the American version. It elevates the story and and visuals in almost every way. Right. I mean, if you're an American, I feel like The Ring is going to speak to you better. Mm -hmm. And not just because, like, oh, you don't understand, like, what they're trying to say. No. I think that 
honestly, the ring is made for American audiences with the jump scares, with the creepy imagery, with the quicker storytelling, as opposed to Ringu, which has a lot of threads and it has a lot of a lot of fat that gets trimmed in the American version. Oh, I disagree. Oh. I really disagree. I think the American version puts way more stuff in there, but maybe not fat. The American version focuses more on the mystery and problem solving and finding clues and figuring out what those clues mean. There's a lot more content in the American version, where in the original, it's more about creating an atmosphere. And the American version goes out of its way to explain absolutely everything to you, which is... I think it's a culture difference. It's the same way, like, I don't, I think I mentioned this uh, on a previous show, but I used to do essay writing coaching at my college, and we'd get predominantly Asian students in to learn how to write essays in the Western style. The Western style is effectively, it's like a, it's like we have our trials, right? It's your opening statement, it's presenting all your evidence, and then it's your closing statement. Whereas in most Asian styles, it's kind of talking around the subject and you never really directly address what it is you're trying to say because you're counting on the audience to figure that out. Which and, is the, which is exactly what I tell my students not to do. Right. It is the exact opposite of what I teach my students. Don't talk around. Because I say this all the time in class. So, like, what are you trying to say? Don't make me Write figure that. it out. Yeah. Uh-huh. Tell me what you mean. Exactly. And and so the movies are kind of in the same tack where there's a lot of stuff that they just do not explain in the Japanese version. And they kind of count on you to either intuit or figure out right. on your own. But that's not what I'm talking about. That stuff, like I said, I think that's easy stuff to understand. Does the American version lay it all out for you? Sure. What I'm talking about more is there's also the difference in how we handle ghosts. Yes. The Japanese yeah. version, there's a lot more reverence. As yes. opposed to the American version where it's like, this is an evil being that uh-huh. we must destroy. And that, that that's not to say that, like, she's uncaring towards the ghost. She is caring towards it. But there's a lot more fear in the American version. Right. In the Japanese version, it's, hey, there's a ghost around, and they just kind of accept it. Yes. And and it's really interesting. And we'll, we'll get into to all of that. But they are kind of two different beasts that have generally very similar plots. And like I said, we'll get into how they how they diverge. But yeah, I think if you are American or from a Western culture, you'll probably like The Ring more. If you're curious about Japanese culture, if you're a weeaboo or something, then yes, I think you should watch Ringu. It's just harder to get your hands on. I also think that it's not quite as good as the American remake. Which isn't something we say very often. No. Before we get started, I also want to say that, like we said in our last episode, this episode was a recommendation from friend of the pod and listener uh, Lou. So thank you very much for recommending these. We'll be sharing a little bit of his thoughts towards the end here as well. You can take our advice or leave it, but when we get back, we will talk about 1998's Ringu and 2002's The Ring. Have you heard about this videotape that kills you when you watch it? You start to play it, and it's like somebody's nightmare. And as soon as it's over, your phone rings. 
from what they say is, you will die in seven days. I spoke to three different doctors and not one of them could tell me exactly what happened to my daughter. You could find out. It's what you do, isn't it? Ask questions. Show it to me. Why did you draw that house? Because she told me to. Who told you to? Little girl. For those of you that didn't listen to our last episode, here's a little primer on the Japanese language and why it's called Ringu. They do not have a G sound that ends a phoneme, so they don't have in their list of phonemes that they use in their language just a G sound. They have a GU sound. It's GAGIGU, uh, GE, and GO, and so those are your options to make a G sound, and... There is no just g, but it's a very subtle difference. It's spelled out ringu, but you could really call it just ring. There's nothing wrong with calling it ring because that's literally what they're trying to say. It's why it's written out in katakana because it's a loan word for them. They're just saying the word ring, but using their collection of phonemes to do so. This was also a TV movie in Japan in 1995, and I'd be curious to see that version, but it's 95. Uh, so even earlier, obviously, than the original movie. And by the time the American version was made in 2002, the series was already a trilogy. So there was Ringu, there was Ringu uh, 2, or Ni, and there's Ringu 0, before the American version of the ring ever even came out. So with that said, Kelsey, hmm. can you take us through the beginning of the plot? I sure can. So, both movies start out the same. We get two teenage girls. One is telling a story, basically like an urban legend. Oh, just my favorite UL. About a tape that you watch, and then seven days later, you die. Yeah, these girls are Katie and Becca in the American version, and Tomoko and Masami in the Japanese version. And both movies will do that. Both movies will tell that story. What's interesting about the American version is that I know both of the um, teenage girls in that tiny little clip. The girl who ends up dying, she is in the Sisterhood of Traveling Pants. And the friend who sees her die and goes crazy is one of the characters from The Crucible. So I was very excited that I was like, hey, I know both those girls. (laughs) Yeah, Amber Tamplin. She's married to David Cross, isn't she? Anyway. In both versions, the girl who tells the story has just heard about it, whereas the girl who is sitting there listening to the story has seen the video. 
both versions will kind of explain what happened, but I feel like the Japanese version actually gives you a little bit more insight. I don't watch a lot of regular TV anymore, so this is a strange concept, but when I think back to when I was younger and used to have regular TV, it actually makes sense. So obviously, if you go to different cities, different stations play different things. Yes. And so in some particular region where the teenage girl went with her boyfriend and some other friends, they were trying to film something with a tape. And in both versions, they didn't get what they tried to film, and instead they got this new video. Uh And so at first, the girl's like, I've seen the video, it's scary. She pretends to die and scares the friend. uh But pretty quickly, the friend gets more excited about the idea of, wait, you went on a trip with your boyfriend? Oh my god, what happened? They're not scared for a moment, and then the phone rings. Yeah. And they both get scared. The phone rings. (laughs) (laughs) The phone rings. So it dawned on us while we were watching The Ring and Ringu that we watch a lot of horror movies where, like, the fear is based on the phone ringing. Yep. I mean, we just watch When a Stranger Calls. Yes, and so that made me think of Rent. The phone rings. Yeah, so expect that throughout this episode. The phone rings! But it's okay, because it's just the mom calling to let her know, hey, we'll be home late. So they did a lot of, like, play-by-play. Play. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and we'll get into where they diverge is usually for two reasons. Either one, it's to, like, craft it for the culture. And two, the American version, like I said before, increases the mystery detective element of it. So usually when it diverges, it's for one of those two reasons. And here is, coming up, the very first big, big difference. The girl sees something, the one who saw the video seven days ago, sees something, and there's a freeze frame, and it turns black and white. Yeah. And her face looks scared. Not at all like in the American version. Yeah, it's not a huge difference. You know what they're trying to communicate. It's a big difference when you grew up with the ring. Yeah. Because the ring has like... Oh, the the eyes go white and the uh, the area around them goes really dark. And and their their mouth gets all... stretch open. Yeah. And in the Japanese version, it's just they open their mouth really wide. And they get scared. And then it it inverts the image to the negative. Which is kind of a reference to the fact that this curse is passed on through, uh, like, camera imagery. There's a lot of camera action going on, whether that's a film camera or a still camera or what have you. The concept of a negative is is built into that. So you have that reference in the Japanese version, but it's kind of an oblique reference. And the American version just kind of scraps that to be a little bit more direct and spooky, but less associated with the core concept of the film. So whichever you prefer, I guess. So this is another kind of interesting thing is is we meet Reiko Asakawa, who's the main character. Uh, this is Rachel in the American version. So Reiko and Rachel. And they're both journalists. And one is a newspaper journalist in the American version. She's a television journalist in the Japanese version. She, Reiko, is already investigating rumors of the tape and interviewing kids at school before she ever knows that her niece has died. Now, the American version scraps that. And this is what I'm talking about. 
that's just a little thread. And it's like, does it really help the story? Because she's already going to have to go and interview the niece's friends. Uh Uh-huh. So it's like, you're just showing me two of the same scene. Right. And the Japanese version figured that this is a great way to get exposition out there by having one person interview another person, especially when your main character is a reporter. In the American version, it's more that she's like an investigative reporter and she's like trying to get to the bottom of a story. So she has to use her skills to convince these kids to talk to her as if she's one of them. And in the Japanese version, it's just a bunch of school kids volunteering information about rumors they heard to the news reporter, you know, so... Not a huge difference, but it is a difference. The main character's sister, the mom of the girl who died, asks Rachel slash Reiko to investigate. Because, well, A, they're sisters, but also Rachel's son played with the niece. Yes, Yoichi in the Japanese version and Aiden in the American version. Now, in the American version... They just play up this whole overly intelligent, emotionally detached, precocious child, the sort of uh, creepy kid cliche that you might get in a lot of American films like The Sixth Sense or something like that. Should we read something? I'm kind of tired. Okay. Sweet dreams. don't have enough time. Oh, honey, I know I've been working a lot. And I'm sorry, but I promise you I'm going to make it up to you. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about time before we die. You have lots of time. So you know when I'm going to die? No, no one does. But I know you don't have to worry about it. Not Rachel. Which is very, very cliche. He kind of takes care of the mom instead of the other way around. And it's, it is effective and creepy, but it's also a little bit of a cliche. Uh, in the American version, whereas in the Japanese version, he's just kind of nondescript. He's just a kid, and he doesn't really contribute much to the story except for where he needs to contribute to the plot. Otherwise, he's not really a character in the Japanese version. So, undercharacterized in the Japanese version, over-cliched in the American version, pick your poison. (laughs) (laughs) Aiden knew that she was going to die. In the American version. In the American version. I don't think version. they say that in the Japanese no. version. No, in the Japanese version, he does say that he talks to her. In the American version, it's interesting. This is going to be kind of a thread that pops up throughout the American version. Little references to parapsychological elements of the Japanese version. It's presented originally in the American version as if Aiden has a psychic connection to his cousin. He knew she was going to die days before she actually did, because he's drawing pictures of her buried underground. And his mom says to the teacher, well, that's how he's coping with the death of his cousin. And and the teacher's like, oh, you said his cousin died a couple days ago? Well, he drew these a week ago. You say she died three nights ago. Yeah, that's right. Aiden drew these last week. We find out that No, they just talk to each other all the time. Katie would babysit Aiden and told Aiden about this rumor and the fact that she saw the tape and that she was going to die in seven days. And that's why he was drawing it. So what it does is it sets up that there might be some sort of psychic element and then it undermines it by saying, no, there's a logical explanation for this. You say she died three nights ago. Aiden drew these last week. 
So you know when I'm going to die? No, no one does. Katie knew. She told me. Katie told you she was going to die? She said she didn't have enough time. The American version really, really takes out a lot of the psychic stuff. Whereas the Japanese version leans heavily into it. And you get little elements of the plot like this that are nods to, no, our movie is not about psychics. Whereas Ringu was. There are more later on that we'll address when we actually get to them. In the Japanese version at the girl's funeral, we find out that they won't even open the coffin, which is funny because in the American version, it's like that makes sense. Yeah. Whereas in the Japanese version, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, you just got to take their word that it's disturbing, you know. They talk about how... The teenage girl's friend has gone crazy and won't go near television. But we never go back to Masami in the Japanese version. Which is a thing that they change in the American yeah, version. Yeah, Becca comes back up and we see her again later on. Yes. But does it really help the story? It's a fun it scene. It adds a creepy element to yeah. it. Yeah. Interestingly, it kind of injects a new psychic element to it. Because it's like... When she, when she goes to talk to Becca, and, and Becca's like, oh, you have four days left. Like, oh, how does right. she know that? Yes. Like, it's kind of weird that way. Because literally, Becca didn't know anything other than the just the vague rumor until her friend dies. And now she seems to know everything about it. It's kind of the American version undermining itself. By introducing a new element that's really creepy. And it is. We see that when she's walking by the common area of the hospital where she's at, they have to have a curtain in front of her so she doesn't see the TV. So we actually get to see that element, whereas with Masami and Ringu, they just tell you about it. In both versions, it's explained that the girl's heart simply stopped. Yes. So basically scared to death. Uh-huh. And which is a thing in Japan. <laughs> Yeah, the idea of sudden death is very big in Asia. I mean, we talk about the history of Nightmare on Elm Street, where that came from. That came from like Singapore or something like that, uh, where people were dying because they were afraid to go to sleep. And when they finally went to sleep, they would die in their sleep. They There's also, also the rumor the of the fan. fans. Yes, where leaving a fan on while you go to bed could kill you. We leave a fan on every so day. often. <laughs> In any case, she finds a photo receipt. Yes. In both versions. In both versions where she has to go to a one hour photo or a photo mat. And the American version works because it's made right on the cusp of when we were yes. starting to get digital. So for all of you youngins out there, <laughs> you used to have to get photo developed. It'd be in a roll in your camera and you'd take it into a place and they would brag that it would be ready and as soon as an hour. <laughs> and you'd have physical copies of those It was those a big deal. It was a huge deal. Uh, because when, normally it would take like two days. Yeah. <laughs> so, so she goes and she gets it developed and she sees where they went on their little vacation. And she also notices that for a large portion, the pictures are normal. And then at a certain point, everyone's faces are distorted. And then for the rest of the roll of film, they're all distorted. She doesn't quite know why yet. She also sees where they went. In Ringu, it's a cabin in the Izu area. And in the American version, it's a place called Shelter Mountain Inn. 
And so she is going to go there next. Also throughout this, in the American version, she does a little investigating to find out. And in the Japanese version, everyone's talking about it. So she doesn't really have to investigate. But it's revealed that every person that went on that trip is dead and died at the same time on the same day under the same mysterious circumstances. Well, I think in both versions, the other couple was together when they died and it was a car accident which doesn't... No, they found them parked in their car. Oh. And their hearts had stopped. Still, though... Where's the TV? I think, Where's we all, the... I think we can all say that we know that she needs a television to come out, okay? I think we get that. Right. It's a, it's a weakness in the story, though, that yes. she needs a television. Yes, Because just like in It Follows, so get on a plane, it's just stay away from televisions. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't understand how they died in a car. She came out of the radio. <laughs> That's not how it works. <laughs> so she goes to Shelter Mountain Inn slash this cabin in Izu. And this is where they were supposedly watching this cursed tape. In the American version, she talks to the inn's manager to get details about them. And the manager does a card trick with her. I pick a card, any card. Is this your card? And he gets it wrong. Twice. In the second one, she humors him. Third time. Hey, this is your card, right? That's it. He fails. He is not magic. He does not have psychic abilities to identify this card. Yet another element that's thrown into the American version as a little nod to, we're not going so heavy on the psychic stuff. There's also a weird scene in the Japanese one where I think she's like probably looking through the girl's room or something she's reading her journal and it's like talking about how fat the girl is and how how she thinks her family is fat mm -hmm. and so like reiko starts laughing well it's just a cute sort of like you know she's a teenage girl thinking about teenage girl stuff and but this is what i mean trimming the fat like why was that scene in there <laughs> well, i think it, it it's a characterization moment talking about how What's going on right now in the movie is not the entirety of these characters' lives. And this was a normal girl who died suddenly and tragically. And so they introduced the fact that she's normal. We have to rely on everything we see of Katie to get that same effect. So, yeah. So they both go to the hotels that, they're, that the girl stayed in. And they find the tape. Yes. Rachel finds it in a shelf of VHS tapes, including Scent of a Woman and Steel Magnolias, whereas Reiko finds it in the room, I think, right? I don't remember. Or is there also a shelf of tapes? I don't know. I don't know. So she rents the same cabin and looks around, but eventually watches the tape. Do you know what the... All I, all I wrote was completely different imagery. I wasn't going to write every single no, thing. No, I, I didn't either. You could find this video everywhere. <laughs> there very, isn't... Very student film. Yeah. As the American puts it. Roll credits. It was very student film. In Ringu, it's very short. And there are very few actual clips that you see. They include a woman brushing her hair... And a man with a handkerchief over his face pointing downward and nearby the ocean. Ultimately, it ends in a well. Now, the American version has a lot more graphic imagery that is designed to chill you. Things like a finger going down on a nail and that prying up its fingernail. 
a bunch of people in a giant body of water crammed in and splashing around, and then that turns into a bunch of maggots wriggling around. You get the same woman brushing her hair, but the mirror changes places on the wall. There's a horse eye, water changing color, but it's in black and white, so you can't really tell what color it's changing into yet. There's a tree on fire, and and it ends in the well again. We see the, the woman fall to her death. Yes, there's a woman who jumps off a cliff in the American version. I can tell you right now, when I saw this at 14, it scared the crap out of me. Yeah, it's creepy as shit. (laughs) They did a really good job with this. So in the marketing, they would do things like put a copy of the VHS with just that on it, on like people's seats in theaters and stuff like that. That's cool. Uh, The first commercial for The Ring was just that and nothing else. And, you know, things like that, that they would do this fun meta stuff. I'll get into that at the end when we're done talking about the plot. So she watches it and then... The phone rings! The phone rings! And we hear seven days. She ends up freaked out and leaves with the tape. Now, Rachel Rako is so upset, she calls her ex. Oh, I know what the difference is. In the American version, we hear the little girl say, seven days. In the Japanese version, we don't ever hear what she hears. Yeah. That's the difference. Mm-hmm. And so you just know that it's seven days Based on everything else that you like hear and other things. Exactly. Yeah, like uh-huh. you don't need to hear her say it. The American version just, just does wanted that. wanted something that was creepy and mm-hmm. made you think less, I think. And and that that's that is a thing about Western culture is very averse to just leaving things ambiguous. Which is what I tell my students a lot after we've read a book and we watch the movie version. I'm like, do you see how the movie spells everything out for you? All the stuff that we just, as a class, figured out together, movie just tells you. Right. I tell my kids all the time, like, because American filmmakers think we're dumb. Yeah, a lot of them do. Yeah. And it's it's not so much that. It's that you want to reach as many people as possible, right? And so really obscure, vague movies tend not to get very popular because people come out of them going, what the hell was that? <laughs> as a matter of fact, with The Ring, as straightforward as it is, much more so than Ringu, people still, like, reviewers still walked out saying that the plot was muddied and hard to understand. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it spells absolutely everything out. Everything is explained literally in the ring. Except for why. But that's not really... That's, yeah, that's, that's neither a, that's here nor there. interpretation. And it, it has nothing to do with the plot, really. <laughs> In any case, she leaves with the tape, and she contacts her ex. In The Ring, it's her ex-boyfriend, Noah, and in Ringu, it's her ex-husband, Ryuji, who is played by Hiroyuki Sonata, the guy from Sunshine. What's interesting is that both movies did the same introduction of this father figure. Yeah, where he's walking to Rachel's place just as 
Aiden is walking to school and in the rain and they're holding umbrellas and they run into each other. They just kind of stare at each other for a while and then they pass by each other. They do not have a great relationship. He's not really there for this this kid. And this movie will give him an opportunity to be there for the kid or try to do what he can to, to help the kid. In The Ring, <laughs> Noah is specifically a video analyst whose job it is to determine what's real and what's fake on video. Whereas the ex-husband Ryuji, we don't know what he does yet. And we won't find out for a little bit. And it is very different from Video Analyst. In both films, he ends up watching the tape. And Rachel makes him a copy. So he can take a look at it and get to the bottom of it. In... The Japanese version, she makes him a copy and gives him the copy to watch. In the American version, he watches it and then she makes a copy. It's not a huge difference, but it's an important one. And we'll get into why later. What's weird is that in the Japanese version, the phone does not ring. Yes. And they explain why later. The reason is, is it has to do with your uh, proximity to Izu. The phone only rings when you're close to Izu, the location where the cabin is. In this version, the phone rings no matter where you are. And this is my one of my favorite stupid things about the American version. She refuses to answer the phone. And so... It goes to voicemail. It goes to voicemail and she leaves a message. But you never hear it. You never it. hear it because she deletes it. But there is a message left on that machine. Oh, uh... Uh, sorry, I missed you. Uh, seven days, bye. <laughs> so in the Japanese version, they investigate the tape and they crank up the volume and they hear at one point in it, frolic and brine goblins be thine. And they determine that it's from a dialect from Izu Oshima Island. This is not in the American version at all. The American version drags this out quite a bit to find out the source of this family that we're going to be talking about, where she goes, first of all, she gets symptoms on a certain day, like day three or four, she starts to get a bloody nose, but she has to adjust the tracking on the film to see what the TV normally wouldn't show you. And this is real, by the way, this, this is on film. If you can see the edges, you'll see stuff like piles of cables on the floor and stuff like that just off what what you would normally see, like the electricians and the lighting people and stuff like that. Like you'll see that on the edges of, of tape because it actually records more than it shows. So she goes to this machine at her newspaper that's designed to see all the way to the edge of the tape and she sees a lighthouse and she's able to identify this lighthouse. And that's how she knows where to go. But in the Japanese version, they hear this phrase that's in a particular dialect, and they go to the place where the dialect comes from. What does she find? In the Japanese version, she finds this lighthouse, which is a real thing. It's a real lighthouse. Uh, I'll talk about that later. I'll be your candle on the water. Should I know what that's from? Pete's Dragon. Oh. I'll be your candle on the water. Is that a reference to lighthouses? Yes. She's singing about her husband who was lost at sea. Okay. <laughs> and how she runs the lighthouse in hopes that he will come back someday, uh -huh. which he does. I'll be your candle on the water. 
always burn I know you're lost and drifting But the clouds are lifting Don't give up, you have somewhere to turn Anyway, in addition to the nosebleeds, Rachel gags up like an electrode sensor you none know, so of this happens. None of this is in the Japanese version. She she reads up about the lighthouse. She finds out that there was a horse breeder who lived th- on that island. Her name was Anna Morgan. All the horses drowned themselves. Like, there's mass horse death in this movie. And Anna ended up committing suicide. And after she did, the horse death stopped on this place called Moesco Island. So in general, the U.S. version is much more focused on these clues that lead you down this path of intrigue, whereas the Japanese version is much more about the atmosphere and metaphorical concepts that it wants to convey. Also, when she's reviewing the film and she gets her nosebleed, there's a fly that's walking on the screen in the videotape, and one or two days in, she just like touches it and it's just the screen. But like at four days in, she reaches out and she grabs the fly and picks it up and it's still alive and it comes out of the TV like that. So that's foreshadowing of things coming out of the TV. But also, it's really fucking cool (laughs) because it's jittering. She tracks back and forth and it moves back and forth and it has that video effect on it. And it's real. I love the fly thing. When I first saw that, it blew my mind. Absolutely love the fly thing. Couple of differences between this part and the Japanese version. Yes. Aside from the fact that you don't see any of that stuff. You find out that the woman, so in the American version, she just jumped off a cliff. Yeah. In the Japanese version, she jumped into a volcano. (laughs) Yes. Because we find out she predicted there would be a volcano eruption. And there was. And it was kind of, uh, there's this whole concept of like a witch hunt, you know, where instead of, holy shit, you were right about that, tell us more, it's, she's a witch, burn her! We have found the witch, may we burn her? Burn her! And she ends up committing suicide by jumping in a volcano. But that's all we know right now. We don't know any more than that yet. Also, they believe in the Japanese version that whoever made the tape wanted to be found because they were including stuff to help you find them. Yeah. And then in both versions, the kid watches the video. Yes. So in in Ringu, they're at her father's house and the father's going to be watching the kid for the rest of this movie. I say her father's house, so it's the kid's grandfather, is going to be watching the, the kid for the rest of this movie. Yoichi is there. And... He's watching it, and he says that Tomoko, who is Katie, ordered him to do it. Now, this is the moment where everyone just accepts that Tomoko is a ghost, and she's just around. (laughs) But Ryuji, the ex-husband, he comments about how it's Tomoko, but it's not really Tomoko. Like, something's off about her, and we don't know how he knows that yet. There's an implication here a little bit later that you can take one of two ways. Is the Tomoko here good or evil? And there's ways of interpreting this that Yoichi watching this video because Tomoko told him to is actually good. And we'll get into that a little bit later. Or is it even Tomoko? 
Question mark. We don't know. We don't find out until later that Aiden is communicating with the ghost of a girl. Until way later. But this whole time he is. And Rachel slash Reiko, like, flip out. Obviously. And tell their ex about it. And, like, we need to figure this out. Before it was just the two of us. Now it's our kid. And this, in the American version, is where we find out that it is Noah's child as well. Because she says, our son watched the tape. It's at this point that Reiko leaves Yoichi with his grandfather. And Rachel leaves Aiden with Ruth, her sister. And Rachel heads to Moesco Island to talk to the surviving husband of Anna Morgan. To find out what's going on. While Noah goes to the Eola Psychiatric Hospital to see if he can't get access to Anna's medical files because she was institutionalized. Whereas in the Japanese version, they both go together. Yes, they both go to the Oshima Island together. Now, Moesco Island Lighthouse. This is a real lighthouse. It's in Newport, Oregon. It's from the 1800s and it's still standing today. It's actually called Yakina Head Lighthouse or the, the Yakina Headlight. Because the place is called Yakina Head and it's a light. Get it? Ah. And it's still not only there, but it's still actively being used. They say it's haunted by the ghost of the lighthouse keeper. Anyway, <laughs> it's also around this time that Rachel says the line. Before you die, you see the ring. You says the title and the tagline, you wins the movie. And she's starting to connect visually the concept of the ring. Now, this element is completely unique to the American version. The Japanese version has nothing to do with the visual circle. Nothing. There is no ring in Ringu. It's talking about... But it's interesting because... Both movies have a well. Yes. But the Japanese version doesn't treat it as like a circle related to the title. Yes. The Japanese version is talking about the cyclical nature of of life and, in specific, this curse. It's talking about a ring in the never-ending, go-back-to-where-you-started sort of... Cycle. Cycle. It's talking about cycles. Whereas this... Because American audiences are dense, they have to throw in a visual reference to the ring, like an actual ring. And we're going to see that a few times. But on top of that, neither of these movies are talking about a phone ringing. (laughs) Yet, a phone ringing is a core element of the movie. I just thought that that was interesting. So, the American version diverges quite a bit here, so we're going to try to focus a little bit more on the American version, and we'll come back and fill in for the Japanese version. They split up. He goes to the psych hospital to find Anna Morgan's records. She goes to the lighthouse and talks to Brian Cox, who is Anna's husband. In the Japanese version, they end up talking to her brother. He's the surviving one. Her brother, who runs this, like, B&B place. Did you not know that the old man that Ryuchi ends up touching and Ryuji ends up touching and, and seeing the past that's her brother oh yeah in the american version brian cox is presented as threatening 
and a potential danger to Rachel, who's there on her own. Yeah, he's Whereas really creepy. Whereas they both meet the brother in the Japanese version, and he's just grumpy. <laughs> both versions have a moment where it's like, where's your daughter? I don't have one, or she didn't have yeah, one. Yeah, uh-huh. So Rachel gets on the ferry to the island. There's a horse which responds to Rachel's presence. We know two things. There was a horse in the tape. And when she researched the history, all the horses died. There's no reason that horses should respond to this, but it's creepy when animals respond to supernatural stuff that humans don't know is going on. This horse flips out. It breaks out of its container, runs at her, and she's calling for help. And people end up coming down just in time to see it run at her, jump over her and off the ferry, tumble down. And go underwater. It's very sad. And I'm putting a content warning on on this episode. So uh, just be aware. There's some disturbing shit involving horses in this. And everyone runs to the back, including the little girl and her dad who own the horse. And they can just see the motor, like the wake of the ferry. And you know there are blades down there. And then all of a sudden, just the water behind the ferry turns red. This hearkening back to the image in the tape. So in both of them, and we'll get to the Japanese one in a little bit, in both of them, the tape is not only showing you clues about what has passed, it's also making references to things that haven't happened yet. Like in this instance, with the water changing color. So she gets to the island. She finds out that Anna had a daughter that she had adopted named Samara. The only thing she ever wanted in this world was this daughter. And she had miscarriages and stuff. She couldn't have her own kid, so she ended up adopting. Richard, Brian Cox, flat out denies this is true. He says, nope, she never had a daughter, like Kelsey said. Maybe she could help. I don't have a daughter. Excuse me? What is it with reporters? You take one person's tragedy and force the world to experience it. You spread it like sickness. Uh, Rachel ends up talking to the doctor on the island who's been the doctor there for many years and tells her the story about the adoption. Also, that Samara had a weird psychic ability, and this is the extent of the psychic stuff in the American version. She could imprint things onto film, x-rays, in people's minds, and she drove the parents crazy as a result, and the horses caused the horses to jump to their death. Meanwhile, Noah at the psychiatric hospital manages to break in and find a file, and it talks about a video record. He ends up going to the video place and trying to convince the archivist there that he's the father. And the guy's like, listen, I'm not dumb, but do not take if I find out this video is missing, I'm going to be pissed. And then when they get to the video and he opens it up and he's not there, he's like, okay, now I'm mad. Because <laughs> the video actually is gone and it was most recently checked out by Richard. So we know that Richard is looking into this stuff right now and is trying to erase all records of Samara having existed. You know, I'm not an idiot. You try and walk out of here with my file, and I'll be on you like white on rice. You understand? No, man. I just want to watch it. I'm responsible for every file tape in here. I have a system, and I don't want anyone disarranging it. I'd never 
disarrange. As long as we understand each other. Okay, now, man. Does it say who, who was the last person who watched it? Yeah. It was you. Meanwhile, back on the island, Rachel breaks in to the house. Eh, kind of. She gets there. Nobody answers. The door is open. She calls out to people and nobody answers. She finds the video footage and we see Samara, who's in a white dress and her dark black hair is covering her face. It's that classic image. And she has imprinted things like jacks and little toy horses and stuff like that onto x-ray film. And we can see that she has these sort of psychic abilities. Brian Cox shows up behind her. Well, in the video, they they say to her, you know, don't you want to stop doing this? Don't you want to not hurt everybody? And she's like, I do, actually. I'm sorry, but I do want to hurt people. And it's not going to stop. Yeah. It's going to continue. And so in the Japanese version... It's more that they were experimenting on her because Yeah, so well let's let's talk about the Japanese version and go back a little bit. So they go to the ocean and they discuss with the brother the brine goblin thing and he would talk about how his sister would stare into the ocean all the time and when the brother gets upset and tries to get away, Ryuji grabs him. And then we get this look on his face like, oh, I'm having a psychic vision. This is where we find out that what Ryuji does for a living is that he's a psychic. (laughs) And he has psychic powers. And it also implicates Yoichi a little bit in this, but not too much. They don't really get heavily into that, how he might have the same psychic abilities when he's talking to Tomoko. So Ryuji basically sees the flashback. And so instead of archival footage, we have a flashback to Shizuko the Anna Morgan character, and her daughter, Sadako, who is the Samara character. And there is a doctor who's come to study Sadako, who seems to be psychic. And his name is Dr. Ikuma, and he researches extrasensory perception, or ESP. And he kind of puts a sideshow on of this little girl. And we see that when everyone gets upset, she's a witch burner, Sadako ends up killing one of those people there in a very similar way to the way we've seen people die here and people get very very upset and the doctor takes sadako away and all the newspaper articles about oh sadako is actually the daughter of the doctor because he was sleeping with shizuko who also had psychic abilities and there's all this stuff is coming out and So Shizuko, the mom, ends up throwing herself into the volcano that she predicted would erupt. She's dead. The doctor and Sadako disappear. So Reiko and Ryuji decide that Sadako is the one who's creating the tape to get back at the world. He says, Ryuji says, this video is not from this world. It is Sadako's wrath. She put a curse on us. Because the world drove her mother to commit suicide and didn't accept her. So the motive is a little bit more understandable in the in the Japanese version than it is in the American version. Well, the American version uses the trope of evil child. Yeah, but it does go into the mother's tragedy where 
in the Japanese version, we ultimately find out that the doctor is the one that killed Sadako and threw her down the well. In the American version, we find out that it was actually the mother. And there's many more ties to motherhood in the American version, where the mother wanted nothing but Samara, and she's ultimately the one that killed her because Samara was putting images in their brain and driving them crazy and killing all the horses, and she knew she had to put a stop to it, despite the fact that Samara was the one thing she ever wanted in the entire world. And then she committed suicide immediately afterwards. This ties into the fact that we have Rachel, who, as opposed to in the Japanese version, where Reiko and Ryuji have Yoichi as a kid, and then they ultimately get divorced, and now Reiko is just raising the kid on her own. That's kind of the extent of it. And Ryuji's kind of not in this kid's life. But in the there in- is a conversation between the mother and the father, because basically, it's kind of bullshit in the Japanese version... The father kind of gives her shit for never being around. Uh-huh. And it's like, uh, you're never around either, asshole. Right. But on top of that, when she thinks, when the main lady thinks she's, Reiko, thinks she's going to die, she says, you need to stay with me while I die so that you can find a cure for our son. Yes. So he needs to step up and take care of the kid. And he says, we shouldn't have had a, a kid in the first place. Yeah. So there is that element there. But in in the American version, they explicitly say that he was an accident. And he knows that. This is an unwanted child that Rachel discovers she will do anything to protect. Although I do think that what Reiko ends up doing to protect Yoichi in the Japanese version, I don't think the Japanese version thinks it's as fucked up as it is. I think it's about sacrifice and love to to the Japanese creators. But to me, I'm like, holy shit. That's wow. <laughs> we'll get into what actually happens at the end in a little bit. But in any case, there is that connection between the the mother who was forced to kill the only thing she ever wanted in the world and Rachel who was forced to or not forced to, but realizes she has a desire to protect this thing she never wanted. It's like the exact opposite. And it's better to discover that you have this maternal instinct than just having a desire and not following through on it. I'd also like to point out that one of the things in the Japanese version that supposedly made it clear that she was a witch was that she found beauty in the ocean. Whereas I guess in whatever area they were in Japan at that time... Well, you would go crazy if you stared into the ocean. Yes. You're supposed to be afraid of it. Well, it has a lot to do with the nature of the fact that Japan is an island or a series of islands. So they they have a different relationship with the ocean. Just saying, if I lived in Japan, I'd be a witch. (laughs) You just sit on the beach and stare into the ocean. I love the ocean. Yeah. So anyway, we do find out that this is why Ryuji is so accepting and everyone including Reiko, is so accepting of all the psychic nonsense and how Tomoko is just around now as a ghost because he touches Shizuko's brother. We get a flashback of this ESP demonstration. When Reiko gets close and grabs Ryuji, she joins in in the flashback, which is interesting. And it's in this moment in the flashback when Sadako, who killed 
the reporter at the demonstration grabs her and leaves a mark on her arm. It's in like a dream or a vision or something that Rachel has, which isn't implied that it's psychic in any way. It's just a ghost has invaded my mind that Rachel gets a similar mark on on her arm. But you can see that instead of we get a flashback because of psychic powers, there's no, we have archival footage of psychological sessions. And so you can see where our focus is is different. For Japan, it's the spooky psychic stuff. For America, it's this stigma that we have around mental health. It's different. So anyway, like I said, Rachel snuck into Richard Morgan's house and he just appears behind her at one point. It's not a jump scare yet with that appearance. And I think it makes the jump scare that comes later a little bit more reasonable because she's there and you see her and you can see this doorway behind her and nothing's there. And it and it goes between the video she's watching of the archival footage and her and back and forth. And just one of those times, Brian Cox is just there. Standing in the background. And there isn't a musical sting or anything. And that is super fucking creepy. And it was very effective to me. And I wish more movies would do that instead of there being like a violin sting. Well, what's right so when funny that you say that is just prior to that... There was a musical sting. I guess you wouldn't call it musical. It's diegetic. But in the theater, I jumped and screamed uh-huh. when she's talking to the, the island doctor and the mentally disabled child is sitting on the thing that... Oh, you know, the thing you get in like the doctor's waiting rooms where you... No, the thing where you sit on it and it goes round and round. Oh, the, yeah, the little merry-go-rounds, you know, the four-person ones that spin around and then you fall off and break your arm. There is a cut in this movie that goes straight to that and it goes, <laughs> and I jumped and screamed and there's nothing scary going on in the thing. <laughs> Meanwhile, when Brian Cox shows up, I'm like, oh, that's creepy. Yeah, no, it's just really creepy and I fucking love it. It's He does then kind of like come up on her and grab her and like, I told you not to da 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 that they do do like a jump scare kind of thing but it does, it gets you from where she thinks she's calm you know she's in danger to now she knows she's in danger and the jump scare kind of like gets you there which is good that's an effective use of a jump scare at least so anyway he hits her, he attacks her or whatever, but he's not trying to kill her. He just wants her to leave him alone and leave this whole entire concept alone and forget it ever happened. Because he's going to go kill himself. Yes. Because she showed up and she saw this tape, he knows that Samara is still out there and still doing things and he can't take it anymore. So he sets up this whole elaborate contraption and and steps and, and puts like a surge strip it's over just his a neck. Filled bathtub. And, 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 gonna... and then in a filled bathtub. But he has all these electric things plugged into the surge strip he has around his neck. And he gets in the bathtub and she's like, You gotta help me. My son is gonna die. And he says, Yes. Yes, he is. This will never stop. You come in here. Proves that. Where is she? Please. I have to stop her. If I don't, my son will die. Oh, yes. He will. And then he flips the switch and electrocutes himself. And, of course, he does it with a surge strip, which is designed to protect against exactly that. But whatever, we'll ignore that. <laughs> it's at this moment when Noah shows up because he knew that Richard checked out the tape and he knew that Rachel was going to talk to Richard, that he goes immediately to get her. And they end up going to the barn. Well, because earlier in the film, 
her son had told her she doesn't like the horses because they keep her up at night. Yeah, she doesn't like sleeping in the barn. She caused them to kill themselves. Yeah. Again, there's a connection for everything. The movie tries to, the American movie tries to explain everything. And there's a connection there for everything. Whereas in the Japanese version, it's more, we want to give you this sensation. It's a metaphor for a lot of things. So anyway, they find a ladder, which is one of the images in the videotape, that they climb up to this loft in the barn. And it's a room where basically Samara was left. And they'd move the ladder so she was stuck up there. And that's why a lot of people didn't even know she existed, except for the doctor who treated her originally. They tear down the wallpaper And they see a tree burned into the wood. And Rachel recognizes it as the tree that's on the hill. How it got there, we don't know. At Shelter Mountain Inn. Samara just has all kinds of abilities. She does have all kinds of abilities. Yeah, there's another problem with the tree. So here's the thing. The tree, it it, it looks like it's on fire. It is a tree that has red, red leaves. This is, interestingly... A Japanese maple or an Acer palmatum. And the fruit that the tree creates are Samaras, which is the name of the little girl. So there's a connection there. Ah. In the movie, it wasn't real. It's plaster, steel. The leaves are all painted silk. Apparently, the crew called it Lucille because of Lucille Ball, the famous redheaded actress. Here's my question, though. She says, I watched the tape. As the sun was shining through the tree at sunset and made it look like it was on fire. What the hell does that have to do with the tape? She could have watched that tape at any time. What it does do for us, though, for us, is it tells us exactly when her cutoff is. She has seven days and the cutoff on the seventh day is after the sun passes through the tree. But it's just this extra thing that doesn't really have anything to do with Samara. It's an extra visual that they can add to the movie and connect the Moesco Island with the Shelter Mountain Inn. So they know that they need to go to where this family lived, to where this well is that they don't know exists yet. At the same time, in the Japanese version, they go back to Izu. And this is where they start to kind of sync up again. Now they find, in the American version, they find the well... Very conveniently, one of the two of them, I can't remember which, throws this vase full of beads, smashes it, and then all the beads roll to a central position where you can see that the floor is sagging. Which would have nothing to do with the fact that there's a well under it, but whatever. (laughs) It's how they know that there's something underneath it, and they tear up the floor and they see that there's the well. In the Japanese version, they just get under it from the side of the house. And that's how they locate the well. In the Japanese version, they climb in the well with some buckets, and they're going to empty out the well. It's very shallow, but they're going to spend their few hours that they have until the curse is, is going to complete itself, emptying to find her corpse. the well, looking for Sadako's corpse. In the American version, they just find the well, and they don't know what they're looking for. The floor that they've just torn up collapses, and the TV <laughs> slides down. Turns on, slides down, and knocks Rachel into the well. And it's very much like what's-his-face in It Chapter 1, falling down that well. You know the bully? Ow. There's a very long, very narrow well. well. Yeah, it is. No, it doesn't. Oh, it's a mine? No, it's a, uh... It's a fucking well! No, it's not. 
it takes them down into the sewers. It's a sewer line. Yeah, but it's a well going down there or a, or a mine shaft or something. The sewers don't do that. <laughs> they don't come up in a house in a giant thing. That's not how sewers work. It's a well or a mine shaft. One of the two. It is not just the sewer. Sewers might connect to it, but it was a well before it was a sewer. Anyway, not the point where she tumbles in and it's like, oh, my God, how is she not dead? She doesn't die because neither had Samara died. So Reiko ends up in the well in the Japanese version because Ryuji starts down there. He fills the buckets and then Reiko is pulling them up and emptying them. But she ends up collapsing. She's really losing her strength. And so he's like, "Okay, well, we'll change positions. I'll pull the buckets full of water up, which is much harder. You get down here and fill them up which is much easier. In the American version, like I said, she's knocked down the well and she doesn't die, just like neither Samara nor Sadako died. Now, the American version spells this out. We see in both versions that the nail imagery is because she tried to climb up and it ended up snapping her nails off. She was still alive just down like there. Just like in uh, Science of the Lambs. Yes. In both versions, we know that she was still alive when she went in the well, but... In the Japanese version, she's hit with a rock and then slammed on the well and then thrown in. In the American version, Anna suffocates her with like a a bag and then tosses her in, but she wasn't actually dead yet. In the American version, they spell out explicitly, oh my God, she was still alive. How long do you think she survived down here? And Rachel says, seven days. Seven days. You can survive for seven days. That's how long you can live with just water and no food. It's like three days with no water, seven days with no food, something like that. But the American version is the only one that explains what the seven days is about. In the Japanese version, it's just seven days. And that's the rumor. And the only way we know it's true is because of the rumor. Like, there's no reason why it's seven days, at least not explicitly told. You might understand that that's how long she would have been living under there. But the movie does not spell it out for you. The American version does. While Reiko and Rachel are in the well, she finds Sadako and Samara's body and sees it as like an actual be-skinned little girl. (laughs) Yeah, in both versions, she like caresses and holds the child. Because in both versions, she's under the impression that that it is not a vindictive little being. Yes. Uh, And it, well, you know, there's the whole thing about how spirits just need to be, they're here for a reason. And if you solve their problem, they'll go away. Right. And it's this poor girl who didn't know, you know, who couldn't control her powers. You feel a lot more sorry for her in the Japanese version. Yes. Because in the American version, like you say, they, she explicitly says, no, I want to hurt people. Mm -hmm. But Rachel's like, you don't like, I have a weird kid too, you know, (laughs) like the kid can't control this. And she wasn't nurtured the way she needed to be. And that's why things turned out the way that they did. And so she becomes like this nurturing mother. It confuses the plot a little bit when we find out later that, no, that only makes things worse. Yeah, it doesn't matter at all. (laughs) So Reiko and Rachel are down in the well when their seven days are up and they do not die. Ah, we did it. We found Samara slash Sadako and we ended the curse because I am not dead. Police show up, they take away the body, everything's fine, everyone goes home, or goes to go home. Rachel is on the phone with Aiden, 
And he's like, hey, don't worry. We helped her out. Everything's good. And Aiden's like, you helped her? Why the fuck did you do that? What happened to the girl? Is she still in the dark place? No. We set her free. You helped her? Yeah. Why did you do that? What's wrong, honey? You weren't supposed to help her. It's okay now. She's not gonna hurt you. She... Don't you understand, Rachel? She never sleeps. You know, I'm a mysterious little kid who doesn't say much, and I knew this the whole time, but I didn't bother telling you. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. But that's what ends up happening. Aiden's been drawing in circles... And things she knows things about Samara because she shows him these things. But again, it's all Samara having this one ability. Nobody else is actually psychic. But Aiden knows she shouldn't have helped Samara. But he kept drawing what he sh- what she showed him and didn't say anything about how she was bad when his mom was asking about her. It doesn't make any sense. But we do find out that he has the grab mark as well on his arm, the the mark of the hand, the shadow of the hand. And so when Rachel interprets from this that they didn't actually end the curse and she doesn't know why she's still alive and she knows that oh now it's noah's turn noah's seven days are up and she goes to save him she does not get there in time in both versions ryuji and noah get to see little sadako and samara come out of the tv and kill them the same way that katie and Tomoko were killed in the very beginning of the movie. Let's talk about the most famous scene ever. Yeah, let's do it. Why is she huge? Why do you think she's huge? Uh, uh, because she's not a little girl. She's really tall. Oh, no, she's like a 14-year-old or something like that. In both versions, they show her, they show what she looked like. Yeah. She's in, a little girl. In archival footage, we don't know how long she lived after that. Although they do show her face and she does look young, you do not really see the face clearly of this demon version of her that comes out of the well and out of the TV. But this is an adult coming out of the television. I don't think it's adult-sized. Not at all. But it is, like, you know, preteen-sized. I totally older than Samara That looks is. like an adult to me, and I've never understood it. It always seemed like such a strange choice. Uh, think about it. She stands like a foot and a half above the TV, which is on a little cart. And we never see her standing next to another human. We see her standing next to him. No, 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 no. They cut between looking at her and looking at him. They're never in the same frame together. I can't believe you're going to fight me on this. She looks like an adult. <laughs> I, I, my problem is that she looks like an adult. She is an adult. Like, it is played by an adult, but explicitly they selected an adult that was small. It is not a five foot ten adult. And I'm telling you right now <laughs> that from what I saw, it was an adult coming out of that television. No, like, we know who played the demon version of Samara and Sadako. They are not tall people. But why do that at all? Because they needed somebody who could move creepily and the kid wouldn't be believable. Specifically in the Japanese version, they got a kabuki actress who is used to wearing masks and having to emote through motions and not through facial expressions or speech. And so they got her to walk all weird backwards and they did the same thing in the American version and then played it in reverse to make it look like she moves weird. And they weren't counting on 
Two things, they weren't counting on a little kid to be able to pull that off. And two, when you see the face, it's not the face of the little kid. It's a distorted demon face. Yes. I'm fine with that. The whole moving thing is kind of the dumbest excuse I've ever heard in my life. She just moves. Okay, that's a little much. She moves a little funky, and then they played it backwards. Okay, it's can not you imagine? That big of a deal. It's a very big deal. When you get people who don't know what they're doing, you end up with the enchantress in the Suicide Squad movie with what's her face going like, ooh, like she's a belly dancer or something like that. If you don't know what you're doing, it looks ridiculous. I okay. And you're going to have an eight-year-old girl do that? Think about the doctor from uh, House, House on Haunted Hill. Hill. Yeah. All they did was split up the frames. That's why he uh-huh. looks as jerky and weird as he does. That's yeah. all you had to do. And an adult. I'm just saying they got a different actor to do the move, the complicated movement stuff. Wasn't that Herbert Quest? Yes. Makes him so much less scary when I know that it's that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> In any case, it is very, very famous, and neither version looks particularly convincing anymore in the light of modern day. I mean, it never really did. I think it's more. I think it's more the uncanniness of it. Yes, I, I never looked at that, that and transition. thought it looks real. Right, but well, I think back there we did. Back then, we didn't think it didn't look real. I, now I can I look at it. I never thought can it see. looked very of real. Course, Kelsey, you are a human being watching a movie. Of course, you know it's not real. What I'm saying is, you didn't think about it in terms of real or unreal. You saw it and thought it looked cool. But now, in the light of modern day, it's hard to look at it and not think, "Wow, that looks fake." That's what I'm talking about. It's not that it convinced you originally. It's that you just didn't think about it in those terms. Whereas, like, I think they did a really cool thing with Rings, a movie that we turned off halfway through because we really did not like it. That movie is so bad. Where they do it with a flat screen television (laughs) and the TV falls flat on its face and she pushes it up to get out of it. And it's really cool. I really, really liked that. But the movie fucking sucked. It's (laughs) Awful. In any case. I think that was another one of those movies where it started out dope. And we were like, hey, this is cool. And then yeah. it got so bad. Well, it would be like if they made a, a sequel to It Follows all about people coordinating their travel schedules. <laughs> because that's what Rings was. It was them figuring out how to game the system. Like, uh, why? that's not interesting to me. You're getting way too meta. But in any case... Noah slash Ryuji stumble around scared, and then they die the same way that Katie slash Tomoko died in the very beginning of the movie. In the American version, Rachel shows up, sees him dead, sees the water like from the well and all of that stuff and freaks out. Noah's assistant shows up, who is Abby from NCIS, and she avoids her. And we don't know what happens there. In the Japanese version, she shows up to find out what's going on with Ryuji and the police are already there and tell her, Oh, he's dead already. So a slight difference, not a huge one, but the, the ringing going on while Samara is chasing after Noah is actually Rachel calling to tell him, get the fuck out of there. (laughs) She goes back home. She finds the original tape and she's so upset that she destroys it. And then she's asking herself, Why did I survive, but Noah died? How do I protect my son? And then she thinks, what did I do that he didn't do? And then she sees the 
copy of the tape that says copy on the spine of the tape underneath the couch and thinks, I made a copy and showed it to somebody. In the Japanese version, we get Ryuji with a handkerchief over his head, just like the image in the tape, pointing to the copy, telling her it's the copy. So again, more extrasensory communication involving Ryuji, who is a psychic, but telling her explicitly it's the copy that did it. That's why I'm dead and you're still alive. So again, interesting that Reiko and Ryuji have that relationship where Ryuji saved Reiko and helps Reiko save Yoichi because he watched her copy. And that's the moment she was saved, was when Ryuji watched Reiko's copy. In the American version, Rachel isn't saved until she makes the copy and Aiden watches it, which when we find out that they watch it because they're told to watch it by the spirit, you might think that Katie is protecting Rachel, keeping Rachel alive long enough in order to, she's basically risking Aiden's life to save Rachel who can then save Aiden. But if she hadn't done that, then Rachel would be dead and Aiden would be left parentless. It's just an extra teeny tiny little element to the American version, whereas the Japanese version frames it differently, and it's more about the relationship between these three people, Ryuji, Reiko, and Yoichi. So here's a big difference. In the Japanese version, it just kind of ends once she realizes, oh, I need to make a copy. So she is at Ryuji's place, and or somewhere, I can't remember exactly, but she grabs a VCR, And she's going to hook the VCR up to another VCR in order to make a new copy or have Yoichi make a new copy. And she's going to show it, this is when I said it's fucked up, to her father. She's going to pass this curse onto Yoichi's grandfather. Whereas the American version, it's the sort of existential question that, that the movie ends on, which is what will happen to the person we show it to. And she doesn't answer him and the movie ends. Where she's like, honestly, I don't care. That doesn't matter. My my objective is to save you. And the movie is communicating the same exact thing. And it's also a trick on the audience. You just yeah, watched it. Yeah, you just it. watched it. Yes, absolutely. But in the Japanese version, it's, well, my father, your grandfather is old and loves you. And he's going to take this sacrifice for you. And it's about love and family. But it's fucked up. And then we get awesome <laughs> techno music. Yes, there's like this uns, uns, uns music over the end credits, which is really funny. Late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah, it's it's really, really quite interesting that that's the nature of it. In the American version. They didn't actually say that was the plan, right? She talks to Yoichi. We hear her talk. And she says she's, she, I can't remember what the exact line is. But she says something about how, oh, we have something to show your grandpa or something like that. And then we hear a recording of an interview with another school kid who adds on to the rumor of, in order to save yourself, you need to make a copy and show it to somebody else. It It's like the concept a of a letter. chain letter. Yes. And it, ex- it it is the one, like, explicit thing that the Japanese movie does. Is it is it modifies the original rumor. Now, I don't know who this school kid is. I don't know who they're talking to because Reiko obviously didn't know this ahead of time. So it's not from the interviews done at the beginning of the movie, but it's just a school kid continuing on this rumor and elevating it to the next thing. It's my favorite UO. Oh, 
Just my favorite UL. (laughs) (laughs) So that is the end of the movie, of both movies. I want to talk about the fun meta stuff going on, mainly in the American version. But there is some stuff in the Japanese version. 2001 in the UK, when they released the DVD, on the back there is a disclaimer that says that the distributor accepts no responsibility, quote, for any injuries or fatalities that may occur during or after the viewing of this video cassette. That's awesome. One difference between the two is that in the US version, the DreamWorks logo, because DreamWorks produced it, was modified to look like a yellowing VHS and it had all this artifacting and it was a very muffled sound. Whereas in the Japanese version, they just put the standard DreamWorks intro on there. So it's bright blue and da 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 da, you know, and it's really out of tone for the movie itself. And they bothered to do something interesting for the American version. And it It's kind of upsetting that when DreamWorks distributed it here in America that they didn't provide the same sort of care that they did for the American version. It's kind of a bummer. On the DVD of the American version, you can watch just the cursed video on its own. There was this thing that DVDs used to do. They used to have Easter eggs where if you navigated to certain secret places and then pressed enter, it would play something like maybe a deleted scene or some outtake footage or, or something like that. Or like in Memento, you can get a version that plays the whole movie in chronological order. That's cool. In this version, you get the actual cursed video. And then at the end, like you can't stop it. You can't return to the menu you can't fast forward you can't rewind it takes over control it no longer accepts control from the remote you have to turn the thing off if you didn't want to watch it but it plays through the whole thing and then at the end a phone ring sound happens which is really cute just you know cute stuff like that and i talked earlier about the marketing which was uh, i think this would be a good time to talk about my high school story that i was going to tell yes i'm curious about this can you tell us about your high school story so this movie came out like i said when i was like a freshman in high school and this guy i had a huge crush on loved the ring and we would talk about it a lot stupid shit like oh it scared you more than it scared me blah blah blah. we're like fucking 15 whatever but since we had that rapport about the movie and I had this huge crush on him, I was going to use the ring as a way to invite him to Winter Formal. Not Sadie Hawkins? You're inviting him? Winter Formal is also girls-ass guys. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, that's what—that's the whole point of Sadie Hawkins, is that it's the only dance where that happens. It was you know. at our school. Well, your school's fucked, Kelsey. Homecoming and prom, <laughs> the guys ask the girls. Winter formal, the girls ask That's the guys. That's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, not that any of this gender normative bullshit matters anyway, but I think that's really interesting. <laughs> the whole point of Sadie Hawkins is that it's the unusual circumstance where the girl asks the guys. That's the only reason the Sadie Hawkins dance exists. So the fact that your winter formal behaves the same way kind of undermines the whole concept of Sadie Hawkins. Anyway. <laughs> So I was going to ask him to winter formal by I was going to have him stay at my friend's house because I was really good friends with his best friend. And me and him, me and this kid, Ryan, we were going to make this whole video of me. uh, No, first it was complicated. We had to make sure that he was going to watch the ring. 
the uh-huh. Friday night before, and after he watched it, I was going to call. We were going to plan it all out time-wise. Uh-huh. I was going to call and say seven days. And then a week later, he was going to stay there again. Uh-huh. And they were going to – me and Ryan were going to have made a video of me climbing up out of a well and, like, coming up to the screen and then saying, will you go to Winter Formal with me? We had this whole thing planned out. The week before I was going to do it, this other girl found out I was going to ask him. And just went up and asked him. Bitches, huh? Bitches. <laughs> it was going to be the coolest thing in the world. And it was stolen from me. It was the day before he was supposed to sleep over the first night and watch The Ring mm-hmm. with Ryan. This girl just walks up to him at school and says, will you go to Winter Formal with me? And he said, yes. How do you know that that was specifically to, to happen before you could do it? Like, I mean, if if she was specifically out to get you, wouldn't she let you create that video and everything and then ask him right before that? Would have been too late at that point because I would have gone up to her and told her what happened. But I hadn't done anything yet. So it was just kind of. Right. So how do you know that she did it because she found out about your thing? Because, like I said, this kid Ryan was my friend and also the other kid, Chris's friend. Uh Uh-huh. Yes, his name was Chris, too. And yes, this ended up being my first boyfriend. So yes, my first boyfriend's name is Chris. And now my last boyfriend's name will be Chris. <laughs> anyway, so Ryan was dating a girl named Karen. Karen's best friend, I can't remember her name now, is the one who asked him. So Ryan told Karen. Karen told that girl. And she went and got it right before I could. That's fucked up, Kelsey. Bitches. Bitches. All right. So lightning round time. Do you have anything in lightning round stuff? I have a few things. I do. It's rare for me to be able to pay much attention to acting in foreign films because I'm constantly reading what they're saying. Yeah. But there were a couple things I noticed about the main woman in the Japanese version. I thought that she did an excellent job when she found that her son was watching the video. Uh Uh-huh. I thought she looked really, really upset. Devastated. Yes. And I think that, what's her name, Naomi Watts did a fine job, but I I felt like... I'm sorry, but Naomi Watts' scream is incredible. She has a few moments where she just gets to shriek, and it is like perfect scream queen caliber scream. I love it. But anyway, continue. But one thing I did notice about the Japanese woman, she would often have like a half smile on her face. Yeah. And I don't know. I think it's a cultural thing. Yeah. I don't know. It just, it threw me off a lot because I was like, why are you smiling? Well, she's a, um, she's an on-camera reporter. She has this sort of persona. But it's really hard for me to equate their acting with what I'm reading because it's often, you know, we read it a certain way and that's not the uh way they read it. And so it's really difficult. This movie was, was... The highest grossing horror remake in film history. It grossed almost $250 million worldwide. It was until what movie? A horror remake. It. In 2017. That and makes sense. Both of them are remakes of adaptations. Which I think is pretty interesting. There is a moment when she's looking out. She's on her balcony and she's looking across the street at everyone. And the point is, is that they're all watching TV. And it's as subtle as a fucking hammer to the head. One of the people she looks at is 
a dude in a wheelchair with his leg in a cast, which is an obvious reference to Rear Window. Yes. But yeah, I feel like the American version puts more of an emphasis on the whole we're all addicted to media. Yeah. Than the Japanese version. Japanese does. version like doesn't do any of that. Yeah, I, I don't think it really has much to do at all with technology. Whereas the American one, it's not like it's a huge part of it, but the fa- like when she looks out and she sees that every single person has a television on, right? Yeah. And I feel like Rings took that and ran with it. Thought it was being profound. Yes, because now so many horror movies are like, technology is the devil. Yeah. There's an element of the American version, which isn't in the Japanese version, which we didn't talk about. It's an extension of the facial distortion on film, which again, Sadako slash Samara has a ghostly ability to affect media. Right? And so once she's identified who is cursed, she is able to distort the film negative whenever their picture is taken and they've been marked. The American version, just to add to creepiness, but it doesn't actually mean anything and it kind of muddies that whole element. It adds an additional thing where if you are cursed, you subconsciously scratch out the faces of other people. No, I always thought that was supposed to be Samara's hair. (laughs) Visually, that's interesting. That's okay, what I always thought they interesting. Were doing. I never thought of it that way. That's really interesting. It's like a visual connection. But yeah, what they're doing is they're scratching out people's faces, and it's like it's it's cool, but it elevates that face stuff, which only the only purpose of that face stuff is because these people have been marked with the curse. So what about all these other people in like the glamour mags and stuff like that that she's scratching the faces out of? They haven't been marked with a curse. That's just um, not how I saw it. Though. Yeah. No, that's interesting. I I never thought about it that way, but that's an interesting way of looking at it. I like it. So there are a few elements. We talked about how shitty it was that Reiko is going to kill her father in order to save her son. Again, which is an extension of the older generation sacrificing their well-being to protect the younger generation's element of the Japanese version. And it's it's subtly in the American version with the comparison of motherhood. In the American version, when they go back to the inn, they go straight to the room, they tear up the floor, and they're never interrupted. Whereas when she first went there, she had to check out that room and all that stuff. She talked to the owner. One element they took out of the movie is that the inn is closed. You do see a sign at one point that says it's closed, but an element of the movie that didn't make it into the final cut is that that dude had seen the movie as well, and he dies. And that's why the place closes. (laughs) But like I said, was showing it to the to the grandfather that's who they're going to show it to next whereas this version doesn't answer that question there was a whole subplot involving chris cooper who's chris cooper what would you know him from oh he's the guy that kills kevin spacey in american beauty he has a role in the film and he sort of bookends it where he is a serial killer and rapist that she is interviewing for a story and he swears up and down that he's been reformed and her writing about him in a positive light is going to go in a long way and getting him out of prison, etc. Etc. That he had found God. 
effectively and that he's a different person and he's rehabilitated himself and she doesn't believe him. And we find out later that that's because he was totally lying to her and he was trying to use her. And that's at the beginning of the film. And then at the end of the film, she visits him for another interview and gives him the tape. Why'd they take that out? Because test audiences throughout the movie spent the rest of the middle of the movie wondering where Chris Cooper was <laughs> and what he had to do with the plot of the movie. <laughs> when really it was just a setup for something they could do with the tape at the end. And they could remove that confusion if they just don't answer that question at all, mm. which I thought was really effective. Neither Rachel nor the movie answer that question, which I think is pretty interesting. Also interesting, Hans Zimmer did the music. I know that name. He is very famous for doing a lot of Christopher Nolan movies. He did Dark Knight. It's not the best thing he's ever done, but it's what really, really made him a household name. He created that Joker theme. Mm-hmm. It's also, like I said, by them taking out that murderer guy, mm-hmm. even though that would have been a fun way to end it. Yeah. That allowed them to do the whole, what's going to happen to the person that we show it next yeah. to? You know? And that, that's an important question, like an existential one that they're asking the audience. Basically, yeah. if you were in this position. No, I just thought of it more as like, a, uh, uh, you just watched it. Oh, right. There's that too. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, now, yeah, now you're in the position. Yes. So what, what do you do? <laughs> it's going to keep going, isn't it? She'll never stop. Don't worry, sweetie. You're gonna be okay. What about the person we show it to? What happens to them? In the Japanese version, when she goes down in the uh, the bucket, it made me think of the rescuers, because that's what they do in the rescuers. They send her down. Into oh right, the hole yeah. In a uh-huh. bucket to yep. find the diamond. To get the diamond, yeah, or gem, or whatever it is. I did like in the American version that the girl doesn't just die the first time the TV turns on. Like she does in the Japanese version. She keeps turning the TV off. Yeah. uh And then eventually it's like, fuck that then. And it goes upstairs to the TV. Yes. Yeah. That is different in the Japanese version. She dies downstairs. In the American version, she goes back upstairs and that's where she dies. But where did Becca go in all of that? The movie doesn't tell you. Yeah. I also... (laughs) Earlier, a lot earlier, Chris was describing how the teacher, like, says, you say... She died two days ago. Yeah. But he drew these a week ago. She says that right after Naomi Watts has been, like, just a total bitch. Yeah. And so I love the look on the teacher's face because it looks like uh, Jordan Keen Peel. Bitch. <laughs> and I said, bitch. He made these a week ago. <laughs> <laughs> you say she died three nights ago. Yeah, that's right. Aiden drew these last week. Adam Brody makes an appearance. He does. Before <laughs> he was famous, right? Because the yes. MC didn't start until like right after this or right when this this came out before he was really famous. She asks him what's on it, and he says, I haven't seen it, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I was that age. Me and my girlfriend used to sneak up to my room, get high. <laughs> Do you think maybe she was into... It's not about that. 
details about the tape. Helen, don't even. What tape? The one that kills you when you watch it. Oh, please. What was on the tape? I haven't seen it, obviously. So what do you think Ringu got on Rotten Tomatoes? There are 38 reviews. 88. 97. There's only one negative review. The consensus is Ringu combines supernatural elements with anxieties about modern technology in a truly frightening and unnerving way. There are a bunch of comments about how the virus spreading is like technology spreading like a virus through Japan. That's how they revitalized their culture after World War II was through technology. And it kind of it's replicated in this virus spreading via technology. Anyway. But that's interesting because I was saying how the American version made that even more. Made it more explicit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The one negative review was from Adam Smith of Empire, who called it a bog standard horror offering with a distinct lack of action or plot. He gave it a two out of five. And it's not that everyone at a publication needs to think the same thing or even like everything. But the American version of the movie on Empire, reviewed by a different person, got a four out of five. Twice as high as the original was rated. And for some reason, the review of the Japanese version cannot be found on Empire's website. And I don't know why. If you follow a links that exist, you get a 404. If you try to search through the website, you can't find it. You can find the review of the American version, which is really quite weird. But it's interesting that it's a bog standard horror offering. Because if I remember correctly, he reviewed it in like 2000 and something. Like, Do you mean after every movie copied it? Because it wasn't bog standard for the time. Horror changed because of this movie. So I don't know what the bog standard bit is coming from. (laughs) Anyway, do you think that's overrated or underrated? Overrated. 97 is a little high. It's very high. (laughs) What would you give it? I'm going to give it a 75. I'll give it an 83. I liked it. I liked it a lot. There's a lot of uniqueness about it. There's a lot of purely Japanese-ness about it. It's just not as scary as The Rings. It's not nearly as scary. But that's just, that's because it's not the horror that I grew up with, probably. Right. No, it's a completely different culture's horror, which is why they change so much about what makes the American version scary. Like, that's where a lot of the things changed. Like, there's the investigation, there's the visuals, like, what gets people engrossed in the storytelling in the American version appeals more towards Western cultures than the Japanese version does, and vice versa. That said, what do you think The Ring got on Rotten Tomatoes? 95. Out of of 2006 reviews... It got a 71. Wow. With little gore and a lot of creepy visuals, the ring gets under your skin, thanks to director Gore Verbinski's haunting sense of atmosphere and an impassioned performance from Naomi Watts. Has a Metacritic of 57 and a cinema score B-. Do you think this is overrated or underrated? Underrated. Absolutely. Absolutely underrated. What would you give it? I'm going to give it the same score you gave the original. I'm going to give it an 83. That's really funny because I'm going to go up from there and give it a 92. Wow. 
I really like The Ring. It's very good, but it doesn't hold up. Oh, no, it absolutely does. I love that movie. And to go back to Lou's comments that we were talking about it, and uh, he he was saying that The Ring, the, the American version, is uh, what he calls a neoclassic, even though it's getting a bit old, like you say. It builds up suspense and horror through its beautiful cinematography, and that it made him sleep in a dryer for a week. <laughs> he also wanted me to make sure I said something about how good-looking and funny he is. Uh, <laughs> um, while we're on the subject of good-looking people, my brother thinks Naomi Watts is the most beautiful woman Holy ever. shit, she's gorgeous, Kelsey. She is incredible. She's okay. I'm only commenting on it because you brought it up, but she is stunning. And, so- and you know what adds to it? You know what adds to it? She's Australian, so she's got the accent. Which you never get to hear. No, she never speaks in that accent in, in most of her movies. Ebert and Roper split on this. It was thumbs up, thumbs down. Roper gave it a thumbs up, saying that it was very gripping and scary, despite the fact that there are some unanswered questions. Which is funny, because like I said, so much more is explained in the American version. Ebert is the one who gave it the thumbs down, said it was boring and, quote, borderline ridiculous. And that he disliked the extended, detailed ending. Now, I don't I think know. Ebert got real crotchety as yeah. he got older. <laughs> now, I, I don't know if he's talking about the extended ending with Chris Cooper and that's the version he saw, or if he's talking about how after she's saved, the movie keeps going on. But, like, just because you think the movie should be over, because traditional plot structure would tell you that it's over, doesn't mean that it is. And it's a twist. It's not like this is the ending of Return of the King, where they just have ending, 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 and there are no new real story developments aside from the fact that Frodo gets on a boat. Like, it's not 45 minutes of ending. Like, the movie wasn't over when it faked you out into thinking it was over. Like, that's what bothers me, that Ebert's smarter than that. Like, he he knows that it's not a Return of the King moment. Why would he treat it like that? I don't know. I think he was just old and angry. Yeah. There are a few critics, USA Today, Miami Herald, both said something along the lines of the plot not making much sense, which again, (laughs) it goes out of its way to explain absolutely everything. I don't know what your issue is. Like I said, the only thing that... It even adds new things to explain. Yes, it does. But it it explains them. (laughs) It explains everything very well. As opposed to the Japanese, which leaves it open, but it's very obvious and clear what it's saying anyway. Well, I think especially if you've seen the American version, the Japanese version makes a lot more sense. That's possible. The only thing that they left is why. And it just kind of leans on the whole, like, she's just evil. Yeah. Who wants to kill Babel? Well, it's one of those where that's not (laughs) the point of the movie. Yes. That is our double feature. On Ringu from 1998 and The Ring from 2002. What are we watching next week? Next week is another recommendation week. This one comes to us from Nick. Nick, thank you very much, Nick. What did he recommend? Nick wants us to watch Funny Zombies. Okay. We're going to watch Return of the Living Dead. Which is a comedy zombie movie. And Shaun of the Dead. Yay, we get to watch Shaun of the Dead. Love 
Shaun of the Dead, like everyone else on Earth. One of my favorites. I think the only reason you could not like Shaun of the Dead is if you're just tired of all the hype it got. Yeah, but it deserved all its hype. Yeah, it's so good. It's so <laughs> fucking good. Sorry, babe. Hot Fuzz is not nearly as good. I think Hot Fuzz is better. <laughs> no. I think that Hot Fuzz is the best of the Cornetto trilogy. I really, really do. I think it's much better constructed. And I think it really shows Edgar Wright's directing chops really developing from Spaced to Shaun of the Dead to Hot Fuzz. There is definitely an evolution and an upward curve. Good. Nick. Awesome. I'm excited to get some funny movies in into our rotation. We don't get to see those very often. So we get to see movies that are incidentally funny. <laughs> there are a few comedies that we have seen. The last week. Last week was both comedies. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's not very often. Yeah. That is next week. Until then, you can always catch us on our website at podcemetery.com or on Twitter at podcemetery. You can reach us via email at podcemetery at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to us in your podcatcher of choice and rate and review. Five-star written reviews are the biggest help you can give us there. Bigger than that is sharing us with your friends. and Bigger than that is listening in the GD first place. Thank you all very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next time, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. Before we go, Kelsey, any last words? Seven Clear your throat and say it again. And there's Ringo. Ringo? And there's Ringo. Ringo! There's a horse who responds to Rachel's presence, and we know we saw Oh, that was on the ferry. That's what I said. Oh. She's on the ferry to the island. In the... Did I say American version? Let me repeat that. I'll just... Just in case. When Samara was suffocated... You mean Sadako? No. I mean Samara. It's in the Japanese version that the TV comes on and hits her into the wall. No, it is not. That is the ring. Oh. She's in the well because she climbs down the well in the Japanese version. Mm. You know, he does first. For your son. And then they swap it out. I forget why. There's there's a reason why he he can't finish the job. She keeps falling over. And so he's like, well, you come down here. And all pull the buckets. Oh, up. because she can't pull it up anymore. Yeah, she's uh-huh. not strong enough. That's yeah. right. So, so that's how she gets in the well in the Japanese version. Well, let me just let's. We didn't have this conversation. Go ahead. Well, it's funny that you say that because we did also have a Sadie Hawkins dance, uh-huh. but that was considered a non-formal dance. Yes, and we had a number of non-formal dances where the freshmen could go. Sophomores through seniors could totally go if they wanted to. Uh 
But the non-formal dances were the only ones that the freshmen could go to, and it wasn't until you were a sophomore that you could go to homecoming, winter formal, and yes, prom. Let's teach our kids to create hierarchical and hierarchical and exclusionary cultures where people are left out and things are better because people are left out. Let's teach that to our kids. What a great idea. Well, you only get to go to prom as a junior and a senior. I think that's fucked. So prom was juniors and seniors only. Homecoming and winter formal was sophomore through senior, and all the other dances freshmen could go to. And Sadie Hawkins was for freshmen, so freshman girls could invite freshman boys, but winter formal, since that was special for sophomores through seniors, the girls danced it, asked mm-hmm. them to those dances. None of that matters. Anyway, tell your story. You're going to cut all of that out, aren't you? It'll end up in the end. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so what do you think... Oh, hold on. There there might actually be one more thing. Um, I remember I didn't mark something off. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Okay. And now that you've listened to this episode, you have seven days before our next episode. That was a joke, you're Kelsey. Laugh. To, you're not supposed to say that. That was going to be my, my words at the okay, end. You okay. ruined it. All right. I'll take it out. Oh, God. <laughs>